Welcome to Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. Dr. Williams is the author of the acclaimed book, Shattered by the Darkness, Putting the Pieces Back Together After Child Abuse. Dr. Williams is on the senior leadership team at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas, and Dr. Williams travels the United States speaking and training professionals, parents, and victims about the importance of dealing with abuse and personal trauma head-on and not being afraid to break the silence of your own personal pain. Feel free to call in to tonight's show at 888-627-6008 and speak with Dr. Williams and his guests live on air. And now, your host, Dr. Williams. Good evening and welcome to Breaking the Silence. I'm Greg Williams right here live in my home in Houston, Texas, the most beautiful city in the world. There's just no doubt about that. Uh, I've said that ever since I moved to Texas, and I'm glad I moved to Houston because I've been all over Texas since, and I can't find anything that compares to this awesome, awesome city. And uh, look at the scene behind me. This is just live, and you'll see that turn into night here just shortly. But it's just great to have you with us tonight. 888-627-6008 is the way to get involved if you want to call in, if you have a question or comment. And I promise you, this is a different program than what we normally do. But to me, this is really going to be an awesome program because it's something that I see, that I interface with, that I sometimes drive by, but I wonder about every single day of my life. Living, living here in Houston, and we're going to find out all about how to do better, how to reach out, how to care, how to make a difference, and what some of the organizations that is making an impact on this awesome city of ours. So stay tuned. You may want to get online or uh, text somebody and say, hey, watch the program tonight because this is going to be a hoot. If you want to also get on a hoot, that's what we call it in Southern Illinois. It's going to be a good time. You also want to get on Facebook, Shattered by the Darkness. We're on all kinds of different platforms tonight. My son, Curtis, is in Seattle, Washington, in the United States Army, running the Facebook page for me. And uh, because I don't even know how to, to log into Facebook, let alone run it. But he's taking care of all that if you have a comment or a question, feel free to do that. Or you can just text me right here, 832-396-6525. And uh, during our commercial break, I'll check and see if you have any thoughts and I'll read your question or comment there. I always like to start off the program, first of all, Astros are doing awesome, aren't they? I'm just getting so excited. It's getting that time of the year. It's going to be a great season and a great closing end of the season. Looking forward to us taking home uh, another world uh, series championship. There's just no doubt that Mattress Mac is going to have to pay for all those mattresses for everybody that's bought it between now and then. But anyway, uh, I always like to talk about a few things that I've just learned or thought about or ran into in my own mind, in my own personal life. And, and I jot those down as the week goes on. And I really don't prepare them in any organized fashion. And you'll see that shortly. But, um, I was thinking the other day that, you know, uh, making a, 
friends today is hard. And there seems like that everybody's out there trying to get, hey, like my page or friend me on Facebook or do this and do a little heart. And I don't even know how all that works. But, you know, getting 100 friends um, is not a miracle today. Uh, but getting one friend that will stick with you through the toughest times of life when the other 99 friends supposedly have simply walked away. That's a miracle. And that's the one friend that I want to have. I don't care about the thousands of friends or the likes that I have. I never advocate that, never ask you to go do that, because it's not about that. It's about the one friend that will stick with you when the rest of them turn their back and walk away. And when's that happen? When times are tough. When's that happen? When things are not so great in your own life or when you need a shoulder to lean on, when you need somebody to just talk to, when you need some an extra set of hands and you reach out and they're not there. So that hundred friends, yeah, go ahead and go for it. It's not a miracle, but having the one that will stick with you when those other 99 have left, that's what I call a miracle. I also discovered this week that if you want to fly in life, you're going to have to get rid and cut loose of some of those things that weigh you down, that are putting an extra weight on you, that holds you down from ever even getting off the ground. And there's so many things that we think are so important that we just hang on to, but eventually we realize they're keeping us low to the ground. Cut away some of that weight so that we can soar uh, higher. I found out this week that I'm not perfect. I never thought I was, but I need to realize and look in the mirror more often and realize that everybody makes mistakes. And if I can't forget, forgive others, then I can't expect anybody else to forgive me either. So I need to set myself free by forgiving somebody else. So as we go into a new week this week, allow yourself to bestow a little extra grace onto somebody. Instead of when you drive by that one person and you shake your head and go, oh my, not another, show them a little bit of grace. Show them a little bit of mercy. Show them a little bit of forgiveness. Somebody else doesn't always have to be wrong for you to be right in life. Uh, you have to allow yourself and other people to make mistakes and to live with their own decisions. One or two more, and then I'll be done. Um, try not to th take things too personally. Rarely do people do things because of you. <laughs> Most of the time, they do things because of themselves. So don't take it personally all the time. Enjoy the little things in life because they're bigger than they first appear. One more, anybody can make a difference. You have more power than you think in this world. 
in this city, in your life, in your family, at your office, one person, one positive attitude, one kind deed can make all the difference in somebody's life. Are you up for it? You willing to do it? I know when that one person's made a difference in my life, it's changed my life. And it's made a positive impact. And it changed my week. It changed my day. It doesn't have to change your life indefinitely. It just has to change the direction of the way you were going that day. So smile at somebody. Tell them good morning. And try to make eye contact with them. And say, hey, good to see you. Hope you have a great day. And make somebody's day a little bit brighter this week. Just a few things I wanted to share with you. Tonight, I am really honored to have somebody with us. And if you want to just talk with our guests tonight with me and you have a question or comment, 888-627-6008. But the reason I got in touch with this individual is because I met some of his team members. And I want to tell you why. They were stellar. Second to none. I served with them on a steering committee uh, that I chair at the United Against Human Trafficking in Houston, Texas here. And I just literally was in awe every time they opened their mouth. And they leaned me and pointed me to the direction and the CEO of the Coalition for the Homeless for Houston and Harris County. The CEO and president is Mike Nichols. He is our guest this evening, and he has been with this wonderful organization since a little bit over four years, I believe, since January of 2019. He came from the great state of Georgia, not quite as good as Texas, but a pretty darn good state. And uh, he was there uh, for several years with uh, Cisco Corporation, but also he served two terms in the Georgia House of Representatives. Can you believe that? That is awesome. And uh, he's originally from Birmingham, Alabama, got his bachelor's degree from Brown University, his Juris Doctorate from Emory University, and he has been married for over 40 years, so he knows how to say yes, ma'am, very well, I'm sure. Has four children and four grandchildren, and it is an honor to bring onto the program tonight the CEO, Mr. Mike Nichols. Mike, can you hear me tonight? Dr. Williams, I am so thrilled to be with you tonight and uh, know about your organization. We have a board member in common and with our organization. But Dr. Williams, one of the most interesting things I went through and wrote down the things you said about Houston, about grace, (laughs) about friendship, about making mistakes and making a difference. And my staff will say, Mike, make sure you tell the story of what's going on. But I'd like to do it a little differently. I'd like to talk about it using those four points. Okay. Let me start with Houston. Um, I've been in Houston over 40 years. I came here to work for Cisco Corporation. At that time, a very small food company. Uh, We grew dramatically. Yeah. Um, It could only happen in Houston. The same year that Cisco started, which was a a roll-up of family companies that sold food to restaurants, hospitals, and schools, BFI started which was about rolling up family businesses that did trash. SCI started, which is a roll-up of family businesses doing funerals. The thing about Houston is its people. 
Yeah. Um, George Bush, when George Bush went to Washington, he, they said, what do you miss about your home? And he said three things. He said, I miss the barbecue. I miss running in Memorial Park. But most of all, I miss my friends. Houston doesn't, I know you said it, but it's, it has a little less beauty than Colorado or Montana or the oceans. But what we make, what we miss in beauty, we have an unbelievable people. Yeah. And when you hear the story about what Houston has done, unique in the nation, it's been my privilege to be part of that, but unique in the nation on homelessness, it's about the people of Houston. It's about how we collaborate. It's no difference than when Jesse Jones put together the private public um, uh, thoughts on building a, a canal from the Gulf. And now Houston's one of the great ports in the nation. Um, I worked for Cisco, as I said, for 30 years, but my first public-private job was with the Houston Parks Board. Houston Parks Board is the entity that, with public and private funding, built out all the bikeways along the bayous. We have 150 miles of beautiful bikeways on the bayous that, before this started, just two decades ago, that was our back door. We pretended these bayous didn't exist. And today, they're beautiful buildings and restaurants and, and uh, subdivisions built along these beautiful bayous. And tens of thousands of people use them for biking and exercise. We now have one of the best park systems in the countries from zero. Um, but this public-private partnership is unique to Houston and people from all over the country. We had the mayors from Los Angeles and Chicago in two weeks ago to visit with us to say, what are you doing about homelessness that's working that we're failing at? And I'd like to be able to tell you that story. Along the way, we'll talk about friendships. We'll talk about grace. We'll talk about making mistakes. And we'll talk about making a difference. I'll tell you what, you're so right. And I'm, I moved uh, from Houston about 13 years ago, 2010, uh, from Missouri. I was born and raised in Southern Illinois. And I thought home, little hometowns, little rural cities was the way to go. But there's something special about the people here. They have a heart that's second to none. And uh, when something happens and they, you need somebody, you know you have a whole line of people waiting to, to help you out. I just love the city. And I say it every week on the program. This is the most beautiful city in the world. And I mean heart-wise. And I also love our city. Uh, every time I come up from, from church from Pearland and I see that skyline, it's like, oh, man, I am so glad to be part of this town. It is awesome. It is a great town. And when you, and when you hear about homelessness, I, I want you to think it's – when you hear the story, it's an amazing story here in Houston, but it's built on that kind of work that when Bill White, mayor of Houston, led Houston in taking care of 225,000 people after Katrina, after Katrina struck New Orleans. After Harvey did it the same way, came back doing a great job. This homelessness issue is very much in line with that other work. Um, you know, so Mike, go um, ahead. When, when when I see, and I see it every day uh, on every street corner, uh, going down the medical center, and I only live two blocks from the office, uh, is that the homeless we're talking about? Is that the population, or is that people that's just peddling for money? And there's a different population because I, when I heard and I met your, your folks and fell in love with them, and I said, I, I, I have to know more. 
because I want to educate as many people in this awesome town that I can, and only you can do that in such an eloquent way. What population are we talking about, and why do we just shake our head and drive by? What? And we're going to get into all of that tonight. So I really want to drill deep uh, into the subject. So let's start with the population, but I want to—I do want to make sure people know what I do. Yeah, uh, I'm the CEO for the Coalition for the Homeless. We are the lead agency, the system driver for the whole homeless response system for Harris County, Montgomery County, Fort Bend County. Oh, wow. There have been a hundred organizations that are members of what we call the Way Home, which is our homeless response system. Um, and the, every other city has a very similar organization, similar structure, but none of the success that we have. Um, and I'll go through kind of why it's we've done this well. Um, but we are the lead agency. We have what's called a continuum of care, a steering committee uh, led by public and private funders. Uh, we have people from health care, from the housing authority, from the city, from the counties, all three counties, from the education, from criminal justice, from foster care, uh, people with lived experience, and nonprofit service providers on this that chose the coalition to be the lead agency. We were chosen in 2011 to do that. And the first job was to make sure that the federal money that came into Houston was used well. Under the Hearth Act, under President Obama, they said, we're going to quit giving money to every little organization. We want to have an impact on homelessness. And they set up this system that we as a coalition uh, put a, uh, a re request in annually to the Housing and Urban, uh, and Urban Affairs, HUD Department, and the federal government for funding for the homeless system, for all of these agencies to do this work. That happened in 2011. Uh, a couple of other things happened in 2011 also. Um, Mayor Parker, who had a personal interest in homelessness because she had adopted a formerly person experiencing homelessness. And we use that term instead of a homeless person. We want to use the term in a person experiencing homelessness because that's only one element of who they are. But right. as soon as they get housed, they're not homeless anymore. And we'll talk about what that means. Um, they made a decision that one we would try to organize this entity and make sure no matter what private service provider, whether it's Search, uh, Start Hope, Salvation Army, you, you went to, you would be assessed. And that assessment would give you a number. And the assessment would be based on vulnerability. And vulnerability in this assessment is most likely to die. That's how we, that's how we decide if somebody's most vulnerable, are they most likely to die? And they get a number and that's the priority on the housing. So that decision was made in 2011. Um, the second decision was the service providers would get together and try not to all do the same things. They would all try to do something different. So the system would work. Um, and the third decision was we would focus on housing and housing. I mean, it's very specific housing in our parlance. It's not just a house. It's not a tiny home. It's not a shelter. It's not a bed. It is a real unit with a key and a lock and air conditioning, heating and a refrigerator and ovens and bathroom and a roof over your head that doesn't leak and a lease in your name where you're held accountable for that lease. 
That's the first thing. The second thing is it is subsidy for that rent. Because these people are homeless. They don't have the money for it. So it's subsidy for that rent. And we begin using uh, vouchers from the housing authorities to build that subsidy. The third element was services, professional paid services, the case management for people in this housing so they could work on their income, their jobs, their health, their mental health, their legal issues, uh, their food, their clothing. And so if, when someone is housed in our system, they get all three of those components. Since 2011, more than 30,000 Houstonians have been housed. Tonight, tonight there are more than 9,000 Houstonians, again, housed with the real unit, lock, key, heating, air conditioning, subsidy, case management. Now, even with this vulnerability test, most likely to die, the success rate is 85%. 85% of those people from 2011 stay out of the homeless response system, move forward with their lives, get healthy, or have a positive exit. How and, does that reflect to the around the country's stats? 85% in Houston. How does that reflect to other cities? I would say it's very similar, and but, but I'll tell you a little bit about why we're different. But I would say it's very similar because... And this, we have two phrases in our in our world. Homeless is a housing problem. So as soon as you get people housed, homelessness doesn't go away. It's a housing issue. And the second, and I want Dr. Williams, this one I want you, I want you to think about is homeless is housing is healthcare. Yeah. Okay. Lots of money. Let's talk about money for just a minute. Person living on the street spends a huge sum of money, of taxpayer money, mainly at the emergency rooms. We have no idea how much they're spending because there's not a centralized record of homeless people experiencing homelessness going to the emergency room. The county, Harris County made a study and showed it at $95,000 was the total expense. I think that's probably too high. Um, I think it's probably looking at national trends about forty or fifty thousand with health with healthcare being the main cause, second cost of policing and cleanup. Um, but it's a big number. And it's an even bigger number when you consider unless um and let's just add jail is thirty-five thousand or forty thousand a person. But we can house people with these services for about twenty thousand dollars per year per person, all federal money. Now Hard to use federal money, complex. And in Houston, thanks to our private philanthropy, we've been able to braid those funds to work to house all these people. Um, and, and it's going to be tougher. We had a wonderful experience during COVID. A lot of people got hurt during COVID. Um, what, the experience that I had personally, 20, March 13th, 2020, I got a call from St. Joe's Hospital saying they were releasing a person experiencing homelessness with COVID. What was I going to do? I went, I'm going to call Harris Health. I don't have anything to do with that. And he called Dr. Porcelain at Harris Health. And he said, Mike, we're overwhelmed. You got to yeah. do something. So through the power of Zoom, I called the county and the city together and said, we got a problem. Explained it. We opened up a testing facility. We opened up a motel for people who had um, COVID. And we opened up another shelter because the shelters were frozen. After two months, we recognized something, Dr. Williams. 
we said, oh my gosh, this is hugely expensive. I can house people cheaper. So these smart folks that you met, they got together and put together the COVID housing program, which we call CHIP, the Community COVID Housing Program. The city and the county found $59 million of federal money, no, no local money. We raised $6 million of private funding, had $65 million, and housed more than 10,000 people through permanent housing, which is longer-term housing, rapid uh, rapid housing, which is for a year to 24 months, and diversion, which is anything to keep people who are in homelessness to out of homelessness. And um, huge success. December 31st of 2024, that money's going away. And we're looking desperately to figure out what do we do? We have the money to keep these 9,000 people housed. So it's not, we're not going to go backwards sending people out of housing the way many cities are having to do. We did this right. Um, Unfortunately, the success and momentum we had housing more people will not be there unless we can find the extra money. Long range. Short range is going to come from philanthropy from city and the county. Long range, Dr. Williams, I'm really hoping the healthcare folks look at this housing, which is one component of the social determinants of healthcare, which of course is a huge expenditure, and see what the money spent somehow move it back into housing. But meanwhile, we'll work on these government funds. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to just go back to answer your question before I before I do this. One other thing. You asked a question about people you see on the street. Yeah. Um, we do a, uh, a, 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 epidem- epi- a study which is with, with epidemiologists helping us do it every year in February called the point in time count. Um, the results have been, been great. We've had a 62% decrease in homelessness in, in this three-county area since 2011. Great numbers. Oh. Um, last year, we had about 3,000 people who were homeless, about 1,700 who were in shelters or transitional housing. So Star of Hope, Salvation Army, um, Houston Area Women's Center, transitional housing, and about 1,300 people living on the street. Now, w- when I talk to my neighbors and friends, they go, it looks like more than 1,300, Mike. Um, so the two things we need to know. One is... Houston, Harris County has an intense poverty problem. More than 50% of the people don't have $400 in the case of emergency. We have a lot of people, a lot of people who are barely getting by. Sometimes you see them walking along. Sometimes they're in old clothes. And you say, that person homeless. We also have another issue. People on Social Security disability receive about $750 a month. So if you're disabled, elderly, and you get all you have is seven fifty a month from disability, that's going to your boarding house, your food, and any extra money you have for a hamburger, cigarettes, or beer, you're going to be out putting your change out for. Um, so it's a complex issue. Our studies show that about 50% of the people who are panhandling are actually homeless. About 50% are desperately, desperately poor. So it's a it's a complex issue. The focus that we've decided, and it's a hard focus, is that we in Houston want to focus on those most vulnerable people, those people most likely to die on the street. 
and house them first. Yeah. Last, you mentioned the Astros. Um, yeah. I'm a big Astros fan too. Oh, yeah. And I will tell you one of the things about Houstonian that hurt their hearts was walking through the parking lot at Minute Maid Park and seeing an encampment of more than 100 people at Chartres. That encampment has now been decommissioned. Those 100 people are in the housing process. They're either housed or they're in what's called our navigation center, which is a place that people who come from an encampment can go to while they're getting their paperwork ready. Um, that's an exceptional thing. We, we've decommissioned more than 49 in, uh, encampments over these, the last two years. Again, the way we do it is everybody there has to be offered housing. Um, and the success rate is amazing. And people tell me, oh, these people want to be homeless. It's not the truth. When we offer housing to people, 90% of them say, yes, show me where. Wow. And, and, it, and again, and then 85% of those people are successful. So it's a, it's a really good number. Um, the other thing about the people you see on the street, and this is hard, Dr. Williams, we do have a substantial population that has a serious mental health issue. I can't tell you exactly what the numbers are. My sense is, looking at our point in time count, looking at the assessments, there of the 1,300 people that are on the streets, there are 10 or 15% that have this severe mental health issue that you really cannot talk to them, that they're not services available. There's a man who, who sleeps across the street from my office, across from St. Joe's Hospital, who's there every day. I've never seen him do anything but shake, uh, laying on the, on the cement shaking. Uh, my people know him. They're trying to help him. When he's gone, they know where he is. If he's gone to jail or the hospital, they know where he is, but he has not been housed. There is that number, and it's very painful for us to see them. So when I see that man every day, I know his name, um, but when I see him every day, I go, am I failing? And I'm sure Houstonians feel the same way, but it's a fairly s- small number. We have a program called C4 that we work with all the healthcare providers in the city, with Harris Center, which is our Harris County Mental Health and Mental Retardation uh, Authority, uh, with the police, with the firemen, that go name by name on 100 people who have these severe, severe issues and say, what do we do to help them? What are the programs available to help them? Where's the money to help these people? Um, What happens if they don't want to come and get help? But it's a, my point is, it's a very small number. Uh, The rest of our 3,000 people I will tell you the facts are there. They are economic. They've been in economic distress. Um, and that's where the problems are. Many of them, sadly, have come out of the criminal justice system without a chance to get jobs, without a chance to get rent. So that just, they get worse. They get sick. They get mental health issues. They get drug issues. Um, when they get housed, things get better. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, we're going to take our break. The only break we have, uh, it's been fascinating. It's 30 minutes. Wow, Mike. I'm just in awe of, of the wisdom. And we've just, I've just scraped the surface of what you have inside of you. I want to drill a little bit deeper on the other side of this commercial break. And I'm sure I have some questions uh, that people want to ask you too. 888-627-6008. On the other side of this uh, break, Mike, I want to find out, do you think that perfect uh scenario 
is to have the coalition of all these different entities working together. And how do you get that to work like a fine sewing machine that you guys have working right now? And I'm sure San Francisco would love to have the answer to that too. But uh, we're going to talk about more of that on the other side of this commercial break. Hang with us. We'll be right back. HCI Publishing that brought you the international bestsellers, A Child Called It, and the Chicken Soup for the Soul series comes the latest book by Dr. Gregory Williams, Shattered by the Darkness. This book describes the horrific abuse that Dr. Williams suffered at the hands of his father for over 12 years and the damaging effect of keeping everything silent about that abuse for 30 years. If you're looking for that book that you can't put down, then pick up a copy of Shattered by the Darkness by Dr. Gregory Williams at all Barnes & Noble stores, Amazon, and Books A Million. Now, back to Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. Welcome back. I'm, I'm just, I'm in awe, Mike, of, of your wisdom. If I could ask you something, because I, I think at the very beginning of, of your, your opening, you mentioned all these different organizations and the different entities that were involved that sound like that they make this coalition a powerhouse. If, if the President of the United States calls you tonight and says, what's the one thing <laughs> that we could duplicate in every city in this nation that's working for you in Houston, what would your answer be to President Biden? What's the one thing? <laughs> the one thing, the one thing that I mentioned, whether it's to President Biden, the mayor of Chicago, or the mayor of Los Angeles, the mayor of Denver, all who come to see us, is collaboration. Yeah. Collaboration. That's the function of the coalition. The function of the coalition, as I said, is building capacity and collaboration. Uh, collaboration is not easy. It is an everyday effort to say there are not jealousies among the um, um, various entities who are having to raise private money. There are, but the collaboration is the key. Uh, the collaboration between the city and the county, it's been an amazing thing. It did not exist in 2018. It only existed with the new administration coming into Harris County and the county and the city began working together hand in glove. Um, they feel very, very um, appreciative of that. And and when we went to Los Angeles and, and when they came to us, excuse me, and recognized in Harris County, we have two cities over 100,000, Houston and Pasadena, and they have 86 um, um, they have huge, huge problems. Their, the county governments has very difficult problems working with the cities. It's complex. Although the county government, just the county supervisors, just passed some resolutions that they said they copied Houston word for word. So wow. that's one. I wouldn't let President Biden off the phone. 
until I told him the second thing. Um, Dr. Williams, you met some of the very smart people who work for me. Phenomenal. These people are geniuses when it comes to braiding of complex federal funds. And it has takes a genius to do it. It's, it, is, it is like looking at a tapestry or a bunch of threads and weaving a tapestry to make sure you get the rent subsidy, the services, the apartment units, and the entities to do the services all working together with this federal money, which has these deadlines on it and these audit practices that are just horrendous and all of these complexities that don't have to be. And I'd say, President Biden, we can do better. You don't have to over-police anti-poverty money. Just treat us the same way you treat defense contractors. At Cisco, we were a defense contractor, and I knew how the system worked. Treat us the same way you did when you had the COVID practices. Don't make the HUD dollars so difficult to use. I'll tell you, it takes hours and hours and days. And, and, And sadly, I think most cities don't have these very smart people who work for me and they hire consultants and all sort of things, but it's, it's different having those people in day in, day out, figuring out how to braid this complex funding. And it didn't, doesn't have to be that complex. So I've talked to our Congressman, Congressman Sylvia Garcia, who's co-chair of the homeless um, uh, caucus um, and said, can you do something? Can you help us? Um, it, It hasn't happened yet. Um, Secretary Fudge, you know, she's doing all sort of work, but the money's still too complex to use, too um, uh, uh, too police, too audited, and, and HUD spends most of their time trying to sadly trap us. Um, even, even, I know your healthcare dollars are hard to use. This is significantly harder. When I talk to people who work in homelessness and, and healthcare, um, such as the head of the Houston Harris County Public Health Administration, uh, Dr. Barbie Robinson, she'll say healthcare money is a lot easier to use than this homeless response money. Did you find that um, philanthropy is the piece of the puzzle that takes it to the next level of being able to widen uh, the scope of your impact? It's not only that it takes it to the next level, it drives this collaboration. Really? In 2011, when I talked about that, one of the people who were at the table was Ann Stern from the Houston Endowment, president of the Houston Endowment. She is a remarkable woman. Yeah. From 2011, she says, she tells these other agencies, you have to work within the system. Otherwise, we're not giving money. And it made a huge difference because everybody said, no, the way we get funding is to work within the system. And there were some people who said, no, we, we want to do it our way. It's okay. It's okay. Um, you know, um, you talked about mistakes, Dr. Williams. And I've been a very fortunate person in my life because I've been able to make mistakes. And it's been okay. Um, my What I try to tell people is I said, my success is just trying to hit 85%. There you go. And that number, oddly enough, is the number of success we have at the coalition. Uh, but it's also the number that I said, you know, it, good enough in these big problems. I'm not a surgeon and I'm not an airline pilot. I did in business and what I do here at the coalition, 85% was going to work. And the other 15% we were going to find other solutions for. Um, so there's making mistakes 
I don't have to have everybody working in the same way. What I have to have is everybody working on the same problems. Yeah. Uh, one example is when we, when we house people, we don't demand that they become sober or jump through certain hoops before they get housing. It's controversial. We just say if they're the most vulnerable, we're going to house them and they're going to get better. There are entities that say, in order to come live here, you have to be sober without drugs and you have to stay here for two years. They, and I believe it, they are 100% successful, but they do 80 people a year. We do thousands of people a year. And scale is really important. When the LA Times said, what what does Houston do differently? And this, I told the mayors this too. Scale, focus on scale, not perfection. Organization, you said it, this collaboration, this working with with philanthropy to try this collaboration. Um, And the last is pragmatism. Again, you can't get it all. Getting 85%, that's good. That's really good. That, That lets you sleep at night. It, 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 when I, again, do I feel terrible for the man who's not getting help who lives across the street? Yeah. I feel terrible for my niece who lives in another city homeless. Absolutely. But it doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. It's working at scale. And we want it to continue to work at scale. Um, Dr. Williams, we have a huge, huge encampment left in, in, under, uh, near 45, 59. Uh, yeah. Going south, um, and it right now has over 150 people. It's huge. We have to find a way to house those people all at once. Um, and it's going to be very hard to do that, but we're going to do that um, because Houston needs it done. It's the right thing to do. Those people are terribly vulnerable, and we got to do it soon. Yeah, um, But it's going to take a lot of work. Uh, but again, the collaboration, absolute key. How how close are people to experience homelessness themselves? I mean, just how close are we as a city and citizens of being this paycheck to paycheck society and the price is now surging? Uh, no, no matter what kind of job you have or what kind of income you make, you're noticing the impact. I can't imagine uh, if you're limited going from paycheck to paycheck, the impact that it's making. Just how close are people from being the next one on the street? The numbers that I recently saw that more than 50% of Houstonians are don't have $400 for an emergency. Um, that's the last numbers I saw that the Cares County put out. Um, I just bought your book what during the break, Dr. Williams. Oh, my um, but I do want to say the book, my favorite book this month so far, I haven't read yours, is called by a guy named Matthew Desmond called Poverty by America. Uh, his argument is that when people are poor, it is really expensive and it gets worse the poorer you get. Uh, insurance is harder to come by. Um, um, bail becomes a problem. Everything becomes a problem. You know, my wife and I had an experience during the freeze that our house was destroyed by a water break. Mm-hmm. Lots of these houses were. We had wonderful insurance. We were out for a year and a half, but I was fortunate because I could pay for the repairs and then be reimbursed. When I drive around Houston to see all the blue tarps, I go, 
Those people don't have insurance. And what I realized is if you can't get a loan from a bank or if you don't have the cash, insurance can't reimburse you because you can't spend the money. And we have a system that if you're poor, it is so hard to get out of it. So difficult. And we don't have a safety net. Um, you know it in the healthcare area. You know how much indigent in, in, indigent care that has to go on. Uh, we can do better as a society. What I'm hoping, Dr. Williams, is that homelessness is a model. It's not just for these 3,000 people. Because we can house those 3,000 people. In fact, I uh, listened to the mayoral candidates, and one of the candidates wants to build a fo- place like they have in um San Antonio, they spent $100 million on it. They spent $20 million a year. If we had that in Houston, we would have no homeless people. Wow. I, I can guarantee that. I can guarantee that. And not the, not the place, $100 million plus $20 million of for, uh, extra money a year. Um, you know, not building one of these places, but housing people. So we, we're, we're, we're close. We're close. And we are can do a really good job. Um, I'm I'm retiring this year. The uh, we have a new mayor this year, so there's lots going on. I believe the structure in Houston is strong enough that we can withstand those changes. I know the structure of my organization is strong enough because you met the smartest people there. Yeah, yeah. Do um, do you think if uh, healthcare insurance companies invest in homelessness, wouldn't that benefit everybody? Um, it, it does. We have, we have had, we've had programs with some health insurers and they've been very, very successful. Uh, other states and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm an advocate, so I apologize if, any, if it makes anybody feel bad. Other states that have Medicaid expansion work on this because everybody with Medicaid who are in a system, these insurers have found out that if they put folks in housing, it costs them less. And it's and it's clear in other states. So your own state of Missouri has been a great example of that. Um, if we had Medicaid expansion in Texas, this would look very, very different. Hmm. You know, um, we're talking about Texas a minute. We're, we're 48th in expenditures on mental health. Um, and the politicians get upset about homelessness. Just just put the money out. Don't be 48th in mental health. Expand Medicaid and save the taxpayers $10 billion. Save that money and put it in homelessness and it will work. We see it in other states. If we money roll mental health resources more, we wouldn't have the emergency rooms packed as they are now uh, because majority of the people are going into the emergency rooms because of anxiety, stress, depression, things of that order that's caused other issues in their life. So, you know, again, everywhere you look, I think the answers come to that. I still think Again, this this homeless response in Houston is a really good model for so many other social problems, so many other social problems. 
the public-private partnership is a really good model for education, for foster care. Um, the government collaboration is a really good model. And if we if we had the state of Texas collaborating the same way we have Harris County and the city of Houston, things would be different. Uh, we would even be doing better. So I'm very optimistic. Um, this is talking a minute about making a difference. You made that yeah. comment. Um, in homelessness, what does it mean to make a difference? It 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 impacts all of us when we see that person panhandling on the street. When I see that man shaking on the corner, um, it, it it makes us feel less than. We want to do a better job. Um, we use an acronym called CARES, which is one contribute. We have wonderful homeless response. Um, uh, um, entities, uh, you can find them everywhere. You know, uh, search healthcare for the homeless, Avenue 360. Um, I can go on and on and on. Co Salvation Army doing really remarkable work, and the coalition itself, because we have to have some money to run our own organization. Um, are great entities to give money to. Advocate, A for advocate. Advocate with. You know, we have a mayor's election coming up. Um, you can be angry about homelessness. You can talk about how bad it is. But advocate for the system that's working. Advocate for funding that's not so um, difficult to use. Talk about local funding for that. Uh, advocate for it. Ask, ask about the number of people in the Harris County Jail who have uh, mental health problems or who experienced homelessness. It's amazing. It's a huge number. Of the 10,000 people, 5,000 say that they have a mental health problem. 3,000 of those 10,000 say they've been homeless. Um, you know, we can do better. We don't have to spend thirty, dollars to $40,000 a year on those individuals. We could house them. Um, so advocacy. Advocate with your state legislators to do more and better, not to criminalize homelessness like they've done in the last two sessions. Um R for uh, respond. Um, you know, when you see somebody homeless, homeless, it is the right thing to do to look them in the eye. Don't feel guilty about giving them some money. Remember, they may be homeless. They may be desperately poor. Um, you know, the issue about does it make them come back? I don't have a complete answer on that. I know when I have my grandchildren in the car, they want me to do something for that person. Um, it, it, it's we don't have a fair society, you know, and then again, the either the people who you see panhandling are either desperately poor or they could be homeless. And we hope to take care of them. We work with them. We have outreach people working with them all the time. Again, the desperately poor, we can't do anything. Um, and so we really appreciate this opportunity. I'd love to take any questions. And if you have some more questions. Well, is there a, Okay, so what is the best thing? We only have like a minute left. Well, what what's the best thing to do when we come across uh, someone at the corner? You come up and tap on your window. What is the best response that you would give people to? How do you respond to that? On the website for the way home or the Coalition of the Homeless, both the websites, we have something you could print off that you could hand them which is places that they can go to be assessed and find services. 
So that's one thing that we you can do. Um, um, secondly, is is to look in the eye, and even if you don't want to give them the money, you know, just make sure that you see their humanity. Uh, third is, as you said, have grace. Have grace. Um, these people are living difficult lives. You know, you can say, oh, they're here every week. They're doing it for the money. Uh, they're on drugs. But have grace. You know, it's it's a this is a difficult world in which to live. Um, we don't know the other stories. We haven't walked in their shoes. Um, it's important to have grace. Um, don't think the worst. Don't think the worst. I hear people all the time asking, are these asylum seekers that are here? And the answer is no. None of the people that we're working with are undocumented or asylum seekers. It is, it's a very, excuse me, undocumented is a very, very small number because you can't use government funds and asylum seekers, none. Um, these are people from our own community. Um, these are the people who, who we've let out of jail with nothing, who we've not educated, who have mental health problems. And, but most of them, most of them have just had a bad turn economically, have been, have been evicted and have nowhere to go. You know, one of the things I think that really gut wrenches me is when I see that they're holding a sign that says that they served as a veteran in our United States Armed Forces. And that just, that takes unbelievable. Uh, I know we only have about 30 seconds, but. But let me, let me ask you, this is so important. This is so important. In Houston, Texas. We have what we, we say, we have solved veterans' homelessness. And what's that mean? Is a veteran comes in and puts their name in the system, which is easy to do. We have thousands of opportunities to do that. Within 30 days, they'll be housed with supportive services. The wow. funding is there. The system is there. We can do that. Now, as I said, there are 15% of these people who not, it's not going to work. you know. But for, 80, for 85%, they put their name in the system. They're going to get housed within 30 days. That's great. And it's a, and it works, and we're very proud of it. And we can do that with all homeless people. When we talk about solving homelessness, it doesn't mean that the people won't be homeless. It means that when they come in the system, within 30 days, they'll be housed. That's great. Mike, how can somebody get a hold of the resources that you're talking about tonight and more information about the coalition? Uh, yeah, what's the best way to get in touch with you all? The, the website, coalitionforthehomeless.org. Um, homelesshouston.org or thewayhome.org. Uh, both of them come to the same place. One is the big system. The other is the organization. I'm available. Um, come, I'd love to speak to other groups. And uh, Dr. Williams, more importantly, I'd love to come speak to the healthcare community because they could be the future of solving homelessness in Houston. That would be great. Love to, love to help you make that connection. Mike, thank you so much for your time tonight. Uh, tell your lovely bride and your family, I appreciate you them giving you up uh, for an hour to, to visit with us and, and telling this awesome city all about this situation, how well you're handling it, and the better way that we can make it even better tomorrow. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Anything we can do, let us know, Mike. Thank you. Like we like to do every week. Uh, and I, I'm getting all kinds of my, my phone is just exploding with text. Uh, like I do every week, no matter what's going on in your world, no matter what's happened, no matter what you're going to be experiencing tomorrow, I want to let you know there's always hope. There's always one more chance to reach out to help somebody. And if you need that help for somebody to reach out and help you.
let's stop doing the tunnel vision in the world and kind of open up and take the blinders off and make a difference in one person's life. There's hope. Don't give up on that. Join us right here next week for another live edition from Houston, Texas, of Breaking the Silence. God bless you. Have an awesome, awesome week. And thanks again, Mike, for being with us. God bless. Good night. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence with Dr. Gregory Williams. To contact Dr. Williams, dial 832-396-6525 or email him at shatteredbythedarkness at gmail.com. And don't forget to join us each Sunday night at 8 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Pacific on BBS Radio Station 1 for the next episode of Breaking the Silence. Thank you.